Alright. Hey! Welcome tonight. How's everyone doing? Is everyone doing woo? How you doing? Woo! Woo! That's how I'm doing. Hey, welcome tonight. Welcome. I'm back. I'm back from across the the great mighty blue ocean that you see there, the the Atlantic Ocean. Definitely. I missed you guys. Missed you guys very much. I had a great time in England, but I missed you guys. So uh, I'm back. Um, so I don't think I have any announcements for you. Um, I got Yeah, yeah. I did have a really good time. I got to meet a lot of really quality people, um, really great people, and uh, got to hang out with the guy who created Fusion for a few days, which was really, really awesome. Just hang out with him and chill with him at his house, which was awesome as well. I traveled all around England. You can take a look at it and see where I went, but I w- did like a whirlwind tour like I was a rock star. I'd come into a place, meet everybody, say hi, we'd do something, we'd pray, and then we'd like sleep over and wake up in the morning and get put on a train. Disappear again. Next day, you'd show up somewhere else. I think that it was probably one of the biggest times of just complete dependence on other people because I didn't know anything about who was picking me up, when they were picking me up, where they were taking me, what I was doing once I got there, what I was eating, how I was eating, where I was sleeping. I just showed up places. Like we literally, the one time, like we went to... uh I forget which one it was, but we just come out. Of, we just come out of the train and we just walked out. And they're like, "Someone's gonna pick you up. His name is Jack." And we just like walk out and we're just like looking around. And this guy's like, "Hey, are you the Americans we're supposed to pick up?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, come with me." And I'm like, "I'm pretty sure this could end really bad if this guy isn't the same guy." He just walks in. He's like, "You the Americans?" Like, "Yeah." I'm like, "All right." Just drives you out in the woods. You know. Like, yeah. So it was just like, people would ask me like, "Oh, what are you doing tomorrow?" I'm like, "I don't know." going somewhere and meeting somebody, but no, it's great. So tonight we have, uh, we have a really good night. If, you can, if you've seen from inside yet, tonight we are doing communion, which is very exciting. Yeah. Woo! And uh, we're going to actually start tonight with temptation teams, which is kind of different. Yeah, we're going to start with temptation teams. What? Is that a problem? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't get to tonight. What's that? Really? Well, wow. So it's not anything new. Something the same. We're going to start with temptation teams tonight. And uh, then we have a bunch of leaders gone because they're on spring break. So we can just kind of meld together into one big family if people need to join groups together tonight. Um, we'll just connect. And um, we're going to start with that. And then we're going to go into message, actually. And we're going to finish with worship, you Kylie. So sorry very much, but it should be good. Yeah, and once we, uh, when we come back from temptation teams, let's fill in so we're just more up, up front so we can engage together. So we don't have people all the way in the back. and all in. That's perfect, Kylie. Awesome. Stay right there. All right, awesome. Let's begin, let's begin with temptation teams and go from there. Okay, guys? All right. Welcome tonight. Nice catch. If you guys have offering you'd like to toss into our uh, stolen bank container, go ahead and do that. I totally didn't steal that. I found it on the street one day. 
and I brought it here, so God provided it. I didn't steal it. It was actually in our parking lot. It was rolling through our parking lot in our, in our, in our church one time, and I'm like, I'm taking that for offering. So um, happy to be with you guys tonight. I had a great time, but I did miss you guys. Every Thursday night I was thinking about you guys. So have a good couple weeks, a few weeks without me. Yes? Yes? I loved, I loved the pictures of people cleaning. I think we should do that every week. Right? All right, so tonight, um, as you guys might have already guessed, our focus is on, is on communion. And uh, many churches, I mean all over the place, they do communion. It's just kind of a standard thing in, in the Christian faith. Um, and many people, not, a lot of people do it on a weekly basis. I mean every single service they, they do, they have communion. A lot of churches might do it on a monthly basis or, you know, different ideas. But um, a while back we decided that uh, we didn't just want to do communion as a part of a service, like just setting on top of a pile of stuff we have to get done in a night. We didn't just want to be like, it's one more thing that needs to be done and just kind of throw it on top of there. <clears throat> we decided that obviously um, there's importance to what communion means. So we said, well, why don't we just take and we'll just devote the entire night to communion and that be our focus. So that's what we do and we just do it three times a year. Just we spend the night just just looking at communion and try to make it special and make us actually think about it instead of just doing it mindlessly as a religious observance. So tonight um, is the first of those three times for this year. Um, and communion, if you're thinking, what does what does that even mean? What is communion? What it is is it's a it's a it's a time of remembrance of the last supper that Jesus ever had on this earth. The uh, the day before he. He was taken and betrayed, and he was arrested. He sat down with 12 guys who he had spent a considerable portion of three years with. They were his disciples he hung out with, um, which is a really interesting story altogether anyway, isn't it? The last night that Jesus Christ was here on earth, instead of preaching to thousands, he ate food with 12 people. Kind of interesting to think about. Um, but his last meal, he sat down with these 12 men, and that's where we really get this, the idea of communion from, is this Last Supper. Um, and we're going to take a look at this story. If you guys have your Bibles, if you want to open up to Mark, you thought I was going to say Luke, didn't you? Because you know it's my favorite, but I'm not. Ha ha! Mark, Mark tonight. And if you guys want to turn to Mark chapter 14, that's what we're going we're gonna to look at. Now, a lot has already happened, okay? A lot of the stuff that you've heard about Jesus Christ or some things that you know about him have already taken place as we, as we enter into the story in Mark. Um, a lot of the miracles that you guys have heard about, a lot of his teaching, all that stuff has already taken place. So we're coming into it. Um, like I said, he's, he spent a lot of time with the disciples. He's really, really built into them. And this is towards the end. Um, well, this really is the end of his, of his ministry on earth. So it comes into this and... Um, as, as we're going to start reading, because we're not going to read this whole story, but it, it comes up to the fact that there's going to be the Passover meal. And they're going to eat the meal together, so they set up to go to this room. It's a really cool story. Uh, depending on how you take on it, it could be about God's provision, or it could be about God's planning. Um, I've heard preachers talk about it either way. Read the story, though. It's cool. But they end up going to this, to this upper room, and they sit down for their meal. So we're going to enter this story at Mark 14 and verse 22. says this, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, 
and he gave it to the disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. He says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So this is the the story of communion, basically, that we get it from, the Last Supper that he shares with them. What does it mean, though? What does it mean as Jesus Christ says these things to this man? Because it's cool that we take and we break bread and we take and we have a sip of wine, or in this case, this is non-alcoholic, this is grape juice. Um, but what does it really mean? What was he even saying in this? Because if you just read that story you know, alone, it's kind of confusing, isn't it? You look at it and you're like, well, what does it all mean? The reason is because in this, Jesus is foreshadowing what's going to happen only a few chapters later in this book or in any, in any one of the four books about Jesus Christ. He's foreshadowing his own death, his own sacrifice. This comment about the bread and the wine isn't just about bread and wine, but it's about him, about his body. That's why he says these things. And maybe there was even some confusion in, in the disciples' minds as they sat at this table and they said, you know, maybe they really understand this yet. They understand what it meant. But every single bit of this was a symbol a representation of what was going to happen very, very soon. And as he predicted his death, his crucifixion, he also laced inside of it this amazing promise, this amazing grace that his death would provide inside of it. And that really comes to, I mean, what it really means. The bread being his body, which if you guys read the story of of Jesus Christ, we know that he was just taken and he was... Man, he was abused. He was beaten. He was whipped. Um, I mean, the man was just, his body was just torn up. Torn up and punished. And he talks about the, the, the wine, which is his blood, which is what paid for the sins of all of us. You know, that's really the focus. So many times I think when we look at communion, we say, well, it's about bread and wine, but what it's really about is Jesus' death, isn't it? I mean, that's what the focus should be, isn't it? What he's saying is that this is a representation of the price that I paid for you. And we know the story. Um, my, favorite, my favorite verse to always talk to people about salvation, you know, Romans 6.23. So, so simple. And it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And just saying the fact that, you know, we earned we earned death through all of the work at sin we had put into our lives. Man, through all the time that we had fallen short of God, all the times that we hadn't done what he had for us, all the times that we had done things that are wrong or not done things that are right, you know, we earned ourselves death. And this is that the gift, man, a gift which can't be bought, you know, a gift is just something that's given to you freely. The gift of God is eternal life, the exact opposite and that we reach it through Christ Jesus. And the only reason why we reach it is because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. It talks about in the Bible that basically all sin has to be paid for. Okay, Any sin that we commit, any sin that anyone's committed down through time has to be paid for in some extent or the other. And it's paid for by death. 
That's what blood represents. In the Old Testament, man, they would slaughter animals. If you guys ever read through the Old Testament, it was a mess. Basically, the priests were nothing but a glorified butcher, okay? People would bring in animals, they'd take, and they would, they would put their hand on them a certain way, they'd kill the animal, they'd cut it up, they'd burn the meat, they'd burn the fat, they'd take part of the blood and they'd splash it on the sides of the altar, rub blood on the horns of the altar. Man, it was a sick, a sick sacrifice that had to be made every time. And the reality is, is that sin always took basically death to be paid for. Always took death. So they sacrificed these animals in order to pay for the sin so they didn't have to die. Well, that's what really obviously leads us into what Jesus Christ did. And he said that when he died and he gave his life on the cross and he bled to death, that that death paid for every single one of our sins. Man, every one of our sins. And what's so amazing about that too is it wasn't that just that he paid for all the sins up to that date of the world. But what he did is he paid for every single sin up to that date and after that date through the rest of the world. He paid for every sin ever. Can you imagine that? With his death on the cross and his blood, because, I mean, he's God in man form. He couldn't die. He could not die because he was faithful, because he hadn't sinned. His blood covered every single sin that could ever be done on this world, of all of us. It's amazing to think about, right? You know, it talks about in some, in some scriptures, um, which I think is such an awesome picture, but it says that basically when Jesus died, right, for three days he disappeared, and some scholars believe that for three days Jesus went to hell. And what he did is he basically went through hell and he took the keys of death, which would be like the controls of death, the locking and unlocking mechanisms of death, from Satan back because he had, he had beaten him at his own game. He had found the loophole that destroyed this whole entire plot and this whole entire way that, that Satan had a hold on the world. I always imagined just this, you know, tough Jesus Christ with big, you know, wounds on him and stuff like that, walking through hell, just kicking the crap out of demons, all the way fighting down through all of these caverns, and then finally walking into the central office with Satan leaning back on his chair and kicking the chair and knocking him over on his back, grabbing the keys off of his desk, saying, these are mine now, and walking out. I could just see that in my mind, can't you? I have one of those very, very graphic minds. You can just see him walking in and just walking out with the keys, saying, man, these are mine now. I paid for everybody. You don't have the right to imprison anyone here anymore. That's what Jesus did, man. When he died, he paid for all of that. And I've heard a great preacher say, I didn't, I didn't get the notes, I should have, but he says, you know, a man can only get to hell if he squeezes past the cross. The cross. Because Jesus Christ paid for all of that and Satan has no right to lock us into hell anymore. It's only if we decide not to follow Jesus Christ that that's the, that's the end for us. But as interesting as really all that is, which I, I think, you know, I mean, that, that's, really, that's really our focus, right? I mean, of everything that we're talking about, um, man, in a time of communion. But even when I read it, I was just looking through it this time, I thought that there's more to this story. There's even more to this story. You're thinking, well, what? When you look at this, there's pre-story to this meeting. There's before this. There was a time that Jesus Christ met his disciples and he already mentioned his body and his blood to them. He already mentioned his body being bread and his blood being wine. 
So the disciples came into this with almost maybe a little bit of a different advantage that we're not looking at it yet, because if we don't remember what he said, well, then it might look kind of different to us. If you guys have read this or not, but in, in John 6, I want you guys to turn to. John 6. And this takes place before the Last Supper ever happened. John, which is a spastic book, I know some people like it. I don't like John, I'm sorry. I don't get along with it. You know, John is the only, the only gospel that doesn't account the Last Supper. Communion doesn't take place in John. He washes disciples' feet instead. Anyways. Yeah, it's people, whatever. Anyways, anyways, okay. In John, though, the, it's, it's undisputable that the time that John mentions about the washing of feet is the same time of the Last Supper. This takes place before this. So the disciples would have came into the Last Supper with this knowledge in them. John 6, and starting in verse 53, I want to read um, Jesus Christ's words to you. And he says, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever." He said all this while teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum. Interesting segment of words, isn't it, by Jesus Christ? Probably if you heard it at that time, you'd think this guy is crazy. He's asking people to eat him, right? Sounds pretty jacked up. He's very cannibalistic, right? Is he crazy? And he says, you know, my body is real bread. My blood is real drink. That's really interesting. Very interesting. He talks about the fact that the forefathers ate manna, but when you eat this bread, you live forever. What he's saying is this. Is that he's talking to his disciples and he's teaching these people. He goes to this whole phrase talking about how you have to consume who I am. You have to take in my very body and my blood. Man, all of who I am and all of the spirit inside of me has to go inside of you if you want eternal life. What he's saying is that he is the only true sustenance of life. He is the only true resource, drink and food, that's going to satisfy and give us everlasting life. That's what he's saying. What's interesting about it is he says, basically what he's making the point is that nothing else is actually going to really feed you. All this food is good. All this drink is good. People, man, for thousands and thousands of years, right, have been gorging on food and getting drunk. Same exact thing was happening back then as happens today. And he's saying, all that's great, but you get hungry again. And I am the only thing that when you eat, man, who I am, you stay full forever. What he's talking about is this. He says, man, I'm the bread, and you have to eat that. What do we think that means? If we were to look at it and say, well, what would that actually, actually mean and look like? Well, if you look throughout the rest of the Bible through Jesus' words and just through how it's proclaimed, it talks about the fact that God's word is called the bread. It's called the daily bread that we're supposed to eat. 
It talks about the fact um, when Jesus is tempted, he says the fact that man can't live on just bread because he's sustained by God's words written down in the Bible. Communication with God through, man, reading our Bible through prayer, through times of connecting with God, has to be part of our lives just like food. That's what he's saying, this bread. Who I am, knowing me, it has to be just like every day when you have to eat, a, eat some food and get it in you. Um, people really like to study the Bible, which is cool. And I always say, like, that's, that's great. People want to do, like, these really in-depth word studies, and I'm totally cool with that. But you know what? You can only eat gourmet food for so long, and you'll starve to death. Okay? What I mean is this, is, is all these pretty little, like, you know, word studies and all that stuff like that, it's great. But every so often, you just got to go home and eat a big old bowl of macaroni and cheese. Okay? You just got to go home and eat a big old bowl of Raymond noodles. Okay? Just basic food and eat it for sustenance. The same thing goes with God's Word. God's Word is just like that. It is a sustenance to our bodies, and we just need to be able to take and fill ourselves with it. Man, eat enough that we're full, not just something that tastes good and a little slice of this and a little piece of this. No, where you just take and you sit down and you eat on it, man, until you're full, and you say, that's good. I'm all filled up. That's important. That's what we have to be doing. That's what he's saying, is that we have to take it in just like we would food on a daily basis. We eat usually three times a day. A lot of us eat more than three times a day. Do we take and do we pull in God's word into our body that often? Inside of us. But he also talks about his blood. You think that one might be a little bit more interesting to think about. But he talks about how we have to drink of his blood. And Jesus Christ's blood is the payment. I mean, that's really the payoff for all of our sin, for all of our failure. So what it means is that you have to take into yourself the knowledge and you have to live a life that realizes that you are bought and paid for. It means is that you have to take and drink that in on a daily basis and really come to the fact that you say, man, I'm not my own. I'm not my own anymore. Man, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he paid a big price for your life. He bailed you out. He bailed you out of the worst destiny you could have possibly had. And it wasn't cheap. Man, it took a horrible death on the cross by God. Very, very costly. So it's living like that on a daily basis, drinking that in, just like you would water to sustain you, just on a daily basis of reminding yourself, man, you know, I'm not my own. I've been paid for. And that continual reliance on God of realizing the fact that without that blood, man, I'd be back in the middle of nowhere, headed for hell. It's about that every single day. These things, like I said, that's why he's comparing them to food. Why the, the, the body and the blood, who he is, needs to be compared to food because it's so easily understandable for us, isn't it? Food. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a standard part of our day, a standard part of our lives. It's important. It has to be there every day. Man, people fast for one day and they start freaking out. You know, food is just naturally part. Of, that's what God's saying is it needs to be just like food to you. Every day, who I am coming into you, coming into your spirit, into your bodies. But the thing is, is that we're not babies and people don't feed us anymore. And that's really what it means here when Jesus is saying this, is that we're not little children who are going to get force-fed this food every single day of our lives. 
but instead it's going to take it's going to take some work what Jesus is saying is that it's going to take devotion he says it's going to take dedication it's going to take consistency it's going to take elbow grease we've just been talking about Man, it's going to take that hard work every day. Man, pulling in God and saying, I want that daily bread, man, inside of me. I want a daily drink of that knowledge of the fact that, man, without your blood, I'd be nowhere. You can tell that what he was saying was a statement of a sacrifice and that it was difficult. Because if we even look just right after this, okay, let's look at what the reaction of the people who are listening to this. He says all these crazy things and we think, how do, you know, what does this really mean? But we can see what it means. Like I said, that it was, a, it, was a, it was a thing of sacrifice because it says this starting in 60. It says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe, and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come, come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And it says, From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And he turns to his disciples and he says, Do you want to leave too? Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. But we can see that what he was talking about was about dedication. It was about making it an everyday thing when he talks about his blood and his, and his, his body. You can see because it says that many of his disciples at that man, they turned away. And they, you know, they were the ones who were in on it because they saw healings, because they saw all these great things. It was fun. It was exciting to follow Jesus around. And what he does is he lays this out. And he says, if you want to keep, continue to follow me, you have to eat of who I am every day. And a lot of them said, you know what, too much. That's too much for me. And they turned around and they walked the other way. So that's really what came into it. As Jesus sat down and at the table with his disciples... And he began saying, this is my body. This is my blood. When they were sitting at this table, they had already heard these words before. And when he was saying these things, it wasn't just some ceremonial thing. But they knew that the sacrifice that was going to be made, he was, he was alluding to, was going to take equal sacrifice on their part. It was going to take dedication. It was going to take consistency. It was going to take hard work. Tonight, I didn't just want to celebrate communion with you. But I wanted to challenge you to live a life of communion. Not to celebrate communion tonight, but to live a life of communion every day. Because that's what Jesus Christ was saying in this. And I think that's what the disciples probably kind of had in the back of their mind when they entered this. Because what he had said is, it's not just about eating this bread today, and about drinking this wine right now as some sort of celebration. 
But what he was saying is that this is about every single day of your life. Man, every single day realizing that I have to nourish myself with who God is. That every single day I have to drink, man, of his blood and realize the fact that that's the only reason that I shouldn't get arrogant and think that I deserve this, because I don't. So I want to challenge you to live a life, live a life of communion. So tonight we're just gonna we're just gonna work on that for a second, and um, we're gonna do first and foremost is I'm gonna have Cassie come up and just begin to play for a little bit, and just to start is this is put yourself in the right mindset, okay? So many times. This is just done as a religious observance, and people just take, and you know what, they eat a little piece of bread, they drink a little bit of wine, totally cool. But we're talking about a life of communion. Coming to this in the right place and say, man, is there something really, man, when I look at this, have I really been daily, man, eating of, eating of your bread? Have I daily been thinking about your blood? Maybe some of you guys tonight say, you know what, um, I don't even know if, I really even, if I've ever really established that in my life. And if you haven't, that's totally cool. Come and talk to me. I mean, tonight, last time we had a communion service, or two times ago, we had people get saved, give their lives to Christ because they realized, I don't have this yet. I don't have the relationship that backs up what this means, but I want it. And you can have it tonight just as simple as asking God to really become your Lord. We're going to take this time of dedication. And whatever it looks like, if you guys want to stay seated, if you guys want to get up and move, if you want to come up front and you want to kneel down, but just like five minutes, and just let go of everything else and just ask God, man, take a look at my heart. Take a look at my heart and tell me what's, what's dirty. Tell me what's unclean. Show me if I really haven't been living a life of communion because I want to. And let God work on you. And then after that, we're going to take communion together. But it's going to mean more than just eating a little bit of bread and drinking a little bit of wine or juice. Because the idea tonight is as you take that, it's not a symbol of, of just that sacrifice, which is amazing, but it's also just like these disciples. As you take it, man, it's a picture of Jesus' sacrifice, but it's also a covenant of your own sacrifice as well. That when you take that bread, man, it's a picture of saying, Jesus, every day, every day, I want to be eating this. I want to be eating your word, man, getting closer to you. As you drink just a little bit of that, of that juice, that it's, it's that reminder of, man, every day, I want to be dependent on your blood and realize that that's it. So it's a dual covenant tonight. It's a picture of Jesus's, but it's also a picture of yours as we enter this together. So just five minutes, just five minutes, just focus only on God. Let everything else disappear. You guys got people around you you want to take and separate and get out. Forget about who's around you. Man, and just connect with God and just say, man, search my heart. Search my heart, and then we'll come together.